0: Let's turn back the calendar and listen to the original recording made by Frank Elgin. It's on a Vogue label, and he's backed up by Jimmy Bolton's Arkstrom. Here it is. See if you remember it. The flaxen hair, the tender voice, The laughing eyes gave me no choice, No more the doubt I used to face. No
1: more the doubt. No more the change.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Raslin.
1: I'm David Daw.
0: And this week we watched the final movie. It is final, right? Yes. Of the 1954 nominees, the confoundingly named the country girl (laughs) yeah because i don't think that's ever addressed at all starring bing crosby grace kelly and william holden and just really quickly before we start the discussion here there is going to be some talk of a child dying of spousal abuse of consent violation and alcoholism or alcohol use disorder so Just buckle up for that, because that's what this whole movie is about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it is... I don't know, I gather from a couple of things you said before we started that you kind of hate this movie.
0: Well, so I don't. I hate 50% of this movie, and it's not even, like, the first half or the second half. It's, like, 50% that falls between, like, most of the first half. And before the last 10, 15 minutes of this movie?
1: (laughs) I would go along with that. I had an interesting experience with this movie because we put off recording by a day because you had a migraine yesterday. And sitting with this movie an extra day, I think if we recorded yesterday, I would have been way more down on it. Not like I hated it, but I do think not even for the time this movie handles alcoholism really fascinatingly well, and certain types of trauma avoidance mechanisms that people have in ways that I haven't seen movies really address even in the modern era. Now, there's a lot wrong with it. I'm not trying to go like, and so all of the spousal abuse is okay, and the fact that this movie doesn't quite know what to do with Grace Kelly is fine. But I think when this movie is on and doing something right, It's really interesting. Yeah,
0: I will say that I think that the way that it approaches alcohol use disorder, and specifically the person who has it, and the ways that they find to manipulate the people around them in order to continue their addictive behavior, the way that they can be very, very charming the way that the person who is closest to them ends up looking like a villain to the outside because they know them best, while they're like, look how sweet and not a problem I am for everybody else, I think is actually a really interesting thing that you don't, uh, you're right, you don't often see even now. It's like if if there's a movie about addiction, like that person is just a piece of shit to everybody always. And I think that Bing Crosby is... There was one of two ways this was gonna go, right? You, like, take this super beloved actor and put them in a role where they have to be not that. And it's either totally unbelievable or it's so much more fucking distressing because they are this beloved actor and they're doing a really, really convincing job. (laughs) And Bing Crosby is the latter. To me, I thought.
1: Oh, for sure. Let's go through the plot because there actually ain't much of it. And I think it'll really inform sort of what we're talking about here. William Holden is playing this guy named Bernie, who is directing a new musical, and he couldn't work with his previous lead and needs a lead who can both sing and act, and he knows just the guy, Frank Elgin, who is Bing Crosby, who, it is well known, used to be a really big thing, but is an alcoholic. But Bernie thinks he can work with that, and really goes to bat form with his producer, and really kind of goes to bat with Frank, who kind of doesn't want to take the role because he doesn't want the pressure of it. And Grace Kelly is Frank's wife, Georgie El. <laughs> sorry, I just like didn't really ever process her name, um, Georgie Elgin, which is very difficult to say when you're actually forced to say it.
0: <laughs> That's true. Most of the time she's just called Mrs. Elgin, which is much easier.
1: Yeah. And she is very standoffish with Bernie about this role. What's going on with this role? What does it require of him? What does he need to do? Not
0: really standoffish so much as she is very demanding and cold.
1: Yeah. And as a result, Bernie doesn't really like her very much from the very beginning, And then she has to play interference in what is simultaneously the most effective and the most distressing period of her movie, where Frank has managed to avoid any conflict by shoving the conflict onto her, because we learn that his inattentiveness led to their son getting hit by a car and dying. And as a result, Frank hates himself and needs constant validation from everyone around him and so will not engage in any conflict. And whenever he needs anything, he forces Georgie to engage in the conflict. He also drinks constantly to forget everything he possibly can, basically.
0: He has moments of sobriety. (laughs) Well, sobriety might be a stretch. He has moments of not drinking, (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, he has moments of lucidity. Yes. And as a result, Bernie reads all of that. And Frank encourages this read as Georgie being the actual controlling alcoholic madwoman who he is just doing his very best to keep her in check. And that's why he looks so bad sometimes. And he manages to keep that up for a little over an hour of this hour and 40 minute movie. Until he goes on a gigantic bender and gets arrested. At which point, Georgie basically finally says something to Bernie that convinces him that he's been played this entire time by Frank.
0: And that she's not actually the uh, abusive controlling wife that he thinks that she is that basically she is trying to hold all of this together so frank doesn't totally hit bottom
1: (laughs) and then we come to the single worst decision in the movie that almost single-handedly ruins the film yep which is upon figuring out that he doesn't actually hate georgie and doesn't have any reason to hate her Bernie decides he's immediately horny for her and she must be horny for him too. And kisses her. In the middle of the room where her husband was being held by the police two minutes ago. Yep, And that sucks. Um, But Bernie at least does suck less at being a director with an alcoholic lead after that. And Bing Crosby gets to give an absolutely fantastic speech about like why he has behaved the way that he behaved up until now. Um, And then goes on to an opening night where he does a fantastic job. Uh, And then Grace Kelly needs to choose between these two men, one of which has been incredibly hastily set up as a love interest for some fucking reason. (laughs) And the good part about this scene is that Bing Crosby and Grace Kelly deal really frankly and intelligently with a dysfunctional marriage and talk about it very intelligently?
0: Yeah, it's not romanticized at all, and it's very strange in the context of literally every other film we have watched. It's refreshing, but it's like, what the? What am I watching? I, I yeah. Am I, did I have a stroke? Like. Oh, no, they are actually having, like, a frank conversation about, you know, the difficulties that they have faced. and Yeah. not Not, like, digging into what they would have to do in order to move forward, but making it clear that it's not just like, oh, well, but, you know, you did a good performance and now everything's fine. But, like, there's a lot of work here to be done and we're not sure if we're going to do it.
1: Yeah, you keep waiting for Frank to do the big, like, God will, and Georgie, with your help, I'm going to be able to overcome all of this. And instead, all he talks about is like, it was nice once, but don't forget what I did to you. Remember what happened here. <laughs> don't romanticize this decision is basically all he says. And then he leaves. And there's a beautiful scene where you see him starting to actually process his trauma, um, because there was a song he was performing just before his son died and they're playing that song on the piano.
0: Not just performing, but it was recorded. Yes. Before he ends up arrested, that's the song that is sung in the bar where he throws a glass into the mirror behind the bar. It comes up a lot. Like I think it's on the radio at one point. Yeah, it is. It is on the radio at one point. Um
1: Yeah. That's actually how we get into our flashback where we learn
0: about how it, yeah. the
1: son died, yeah. And, like, he is able to hold hearing that song. And so there, there is a sign that he is recovering, but he never makes a, like, it is done. I am no longer an alcoholic. I am cured. I've done it. And, like, it's all thanks to the love of a good woman, which we've seen more than once. And as a result of that, and also as a result of why the fuck is William Holden even in the conversation here... <laughs> Grace Kelly goes back to Bing Crosby at the end of the film, and you sort of see them at a distance reconciling. William Holden is watching them across the street.
0: See, I feel like it's actually not that cut and dry. She does go physically back to him, but it's not like they have their big kiss reunion or whatever. It is definitely, there's still some shit that has to be worked out here. And I think what's interesting about this movie is it leaves it up in the air as to whether or not that's what's going to happen in the end.
1: I think that's very true. Certainly, I think if they reconciled, it is not a final, as you say, like, it is not the big sweeping end of Act Three, you see them kiss, like, it's all fixed now, reconciliation. Right. She is going home. They are going home together. Um, Whether that will continue to be true in the future is up in the air. Right. Yeah. I think everyone, even William Holden, I think, is giving a good performance Um, I just think the script is totally wrong-headed to try and shoehorn in him as this love triangle figure instead of what he is, which is kind of a stand-in for people who are well-meaningly trying to interfere in this kind of a situation and making it way worse.
0: Yeah, I do not understand why they felt that it was necessary for that to be the conflict. Like, he could come to the realization that he has been enabling Frank and that, in a way, Georgie has also been enabling Frank by making sure that every ball that Frank drops, she picks up. And that's where her resentment toward him is built up. That doesn't need to end with them making out. Like, they could just be on the same team and be like, hey, okay, now I get you and where you have been here and that your intentions have been good and that you're not really abusing your husband. Yeah. And that it starts with this weird fucking thing where William Holden's character yells at her, I can't stand a strong woman. And I'm like, okay, so this is literally just gender-based fucking harassment on your part? What the fuck, dude? (laughs) I think it is an
1: interesting psychological portrait that he is very specifically divorced um, and very specifically kind of transferring his own resentment at how he feels like that marriage held him back onto Frank, that he's willing to excuse a lot of shit and go like, you know what it is? It's that you would have been more successful if you weren't trying to juggle all this shit with women all the time. That sucks. That's a sucky thing for a person to do, but it's also a thing a lot of people do. It is that once he comes to that realization, not just he, but the movie is like, well, now that he's figured out that that's actually like repressed attraction, now we have ourselves a love triangle. No, you don't. Now you have yourself a person who has like an inkling of self-awareness. That's not (laughs) the same
0: thing. And it's also, very strange that Georgie completely loses agency in this part of her role like I never get the impression that she actually has any real interest in William Holden yeah (laughs) and then it's like oh I've seen you the only thing more obvious than two people making eyes at each other is two people trying not to but I never got the impression that Georgie is interested in him. No. And I don't think that's a failure of Grace Kelly's performance, which I think is actually kind of incredible because she is Grace fucking Kelly. And she's pulling off playing this kind of salt-of-the-earth working class, even though I don't think she has a real job other than taking care of Frank, which, to be fair, is a full-fucking-time job. Yeah. But, you know, she's not playing a glamour puss in the way that she normally does. And it's interesting, actually, because Rear Window comes out in this same year. And she's nominated for Best Actress for The Country Girl and not for Rear Window. And while I think Rear Window is a much better film and should have been nominated for Best Picture... I do agree that she should have been nominated for this movie instead of Rear Window.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think like I, I think you're right that she is absolutely playing this as a one-way attraction from William Holden and I think she gets away with it because that just isn't very much of the movie. There's like three scenes in between him kissing her and like Ben Crosby going like, "Well, what's your decision? Which of us will you choose?" And she's not even in two of them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think she gets away with a choice that I don't think is the choice the script wants to make of there's no real chemistry here. She's just desperate to not be in a relationship with, at the very least, emotionally abusive alcoholic. And that plays and thankfully works But I think the movie would want that to expand and there to be real room for there to be a real love triangle there, you know? But I think, like, we skate by because there just isn't very much movie left once this love triangle question mark is established.
0: I think also the script undermines the idea of it a little bit because she has this really big speech about how all she wants is to get away from him and get a divorce and have her own name and have her own job. So the idea that she's going to just fall into the arms of William Holden when it's very clear that, like, she's kind of, I mean, she's traumatized, right? Maybe it's going to be a bit before she jumps into a relationship.
1: <laughs> I think she is certainly playing that, but the script has an awful lot of, no one's looked at me like a woman in years. You're the, uh, to be a woman, a woman with a man. And it's like, oh, fuck this. But like, Grace Kelly is just like. But
0: that's one scene and it feels so out of place. Like you said.
1: Grace Kelly is absolutely playing it as confusion and not mutual attraction. Like (laughs) she is genuinely playing it as it's been a minute. What am am I supposed to do with this? And not like, oh, thank God. Now that a real man has come back into my life, which is, I think, what the script wants it to be. (laughs) Or at least, whenever we've had that speech in a previous movie, that's been what it is. Yeah. And I'm trying to think what else we should talk about. There's surprisingly few musical numbers in this. Bing Crosby's good in all of them. Um, well, he's good in all the ones that are good.
0: Yeah, there's surprisingly few musical numbers, but uh, that's actually not for the worse because... What the fuck is the mid-50s obsession with musicals about the frontier? Yeah. <laughs> like, the fake musical in this movie is basically Oklahoma or Seven Brides for Seven Brothers.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Just covered wagons as far as the eye can see. At
1: one point, like, <laughs> it, they make a big deal about the savage frontier and how they're gonna clean it up or their name will be Mud. And I'm like, oh, thank God we're not seeing more of this musical <laughs> Yeah. Like, thank God I have no idea what the fuck this musical is about or more than two scenes in it. And it's wild because the two scenes you do see of it seem like they're from completely different shows. Because one of them I thought was like, our bank is going under. And this is the toughest day of my life. And then the other one is like, we're founding a town in Wyoming. And it's like, (laughs) okay? Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, it's like three minutes of the movie. I think that's kind of this whole movie's story. is. There's some real shitty stuff in this movie, and kind of just by the grace of God, it ends up not being very much of this movie's runtime. <laughs> and instead, we're focusing on some really interesting performances, a really interesting central psychological portrait of a guy that I am actually interested in. Like, I actually think Frank Elgin is a really interesting character. Mm -hmm. I think the specifics of the dead kid backstory are kind of bordering on parody, but I think the way he is processing, the way he is not processing that trauma is really specific and interesting and played really well by all three of our leads. And boy, there's a lot of movies of this genre, even today, where I couldn't say that.
0: So I don't know how I feel actually about the way that Grace Kelly is handling the fact that she has lost a child that she, you know, carried and gave birth to. Yeah. Because she seems to have kind of just sucked it up. And I can't decide if that's like, okay, well, this is her maladaptive coping mechanism because she has to deal with her husband who like is falling the fuck apart and who tried to kill himself and that she has a whole lot on her plate so i guess like she's never had that time to sit and grieve and there's a part of me that's like where's the scene where she breaks down and finally we see that she has like some kind of pain over the situation and then another part of me is like i'm glad they didn't do that fucking melodramatic obvious scene that is in every movie that is about something like this yeah, I can't decide which one I like. <laughs> I,
1: I think this is yet another thing where I'm very much glad that the movie didn't poke at this more because she does say a couple of times that I just want the old Frank back in a way where I think you could read that as her having never really processed the death of her son because she never had time. And I think you can read that as she actually has processed the death of her son, that she does not blame Frank the way Frank blames himself. And I think actually the ambiguity there is much better than any speech I could imagine. That, given the understanding of female psychology that this movie seems to have, I don't know if I want a monologue by the writers of this film, you know? Mm. Yeah, I think George Seaton has a really good handle on Frank and the way Frank affects Georgie. I don't think that he has a particularly good handle on how Georgie feels about all of that. Except this fucking sucks, which, it, to be fair, is probably the lion's share of your reaction.
0: <laughs> yeah, feel, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, it's you know, I, uh. I'm almost tempted not to include William Holden in here, but I think the most egregious parts of his performance are that his character arc, as it is written, makes no fucking sense whatsoever. His character is the least sympathetic of the three here. And by several country miles.
1: (laughs) Yes, absolutely.
0: I think Grace Kelly and Bing Crosby are doing some really incredible work. Bing Crosby is doing some... Very, very multi-layered, complex acting that I would not have expected from Bing Crosby. I'm going to be honest.
1: (laughs) The scene with him and Bernie, when he comes clean about everything after they pick him up from the cops, really, I was like, I did not know Bing Crosby had this in him. Like, I would not have thought Ben Crosby could pull this scene off.
0: Yeah, me neither.
1: He's great in that scene.
0: There's the scene where he is getting changed backstage and Georgie is having to basically be his dresser because he doesn't have one. And he's so anxious and mean and short with her. Yeah. And then the second that she advocates for the very things that he's asked her for to Bernie. In front of him, he's like, no, no, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And that juxtaposition is just so impressive. Because he sells it, you know? He absolutely sells it. It's not like he can't pull off one or the other. (laughs) He can be, like, the mean, knife-twisting drunk and the really charming, sweet guy at the same time.
1: Yeah. I think it is really interesting how this movie plays off of the Bing Crosby persona, as you've said, because it presents that Bing Crosby persona as this kind of front that Frank puts on. Yeah. And I think Bing Crosby does a great job of dropping it or not dropping it within a scene once or twice, like within a line delivery.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: You really do get a sense of, like, it makes that Bing Crosby persona menacing because you do get the sense that for Grace Kelly, it's like being gaslit every time she sees him do that.
0: And always wondering, when is the other shoe going to drop?
1: <laughs> and how am I going to have to pick up the pieces from all the stuff he is refusing to actually hold by being folksy and charming and, aw, shucks, I don't mind any of this. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs>
0: There's not a whole lot else to talk about here, though. There's nothing terribly interesting about the production of it, at least not that we know about.
1: (laughs) None of the other characters really matter at all. There's a producer that's like, you should fire Frank, just fire Frank. Why don't we fire Frank? Somebody needs to fire that man. And that's like all he ever fucking does. And then that's honestly the only other character I can remember (laughs) that's in more than one scene.
0: Yeah, I mean, everybody else is like... a. a random bartender in one scene or a nightclub singer there's yeah there's nobody else in this yeah i i i don't know should we should we rate this film because we do have to talk about who should have won for this year
1: yeah um seven yeah six or seven i
0: think as like two very solid character study type performances big crosby and grace kelly's i think that it is well above average but eight is like this is a really good movie and this is not a really good movie
1: (laughs) yeah i think like eight we'd be needing the cinematography to be a bit stronger a
0: better script
1: (laughs) yeah we would need a better script and we would just like there's just room to tighten stuff up here that sort of second act of uh, Frank is screwing everything up and making Georgie hold stuff kind of hits the same beat a few too many times and doesn't quite find ways to make each of those times unique. Right. Besides having Bernie say a slightly different sexist thing each time.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: So I, I do think parts of it are great, but it is not in its entirety a great film. So like, uh, seven. Seven. I'm I'm gonna say seven I'm gonna yeah I'll go with it yeah don't watch this movie though you wouldn't have the worst time in the world if you did
0: yeah I guess don't watch this movie <laughs>
1: what's good about it is kind of inextricable from the whole we just can't go like just watch the Ben Crosby parts no that's all of it yeah so I think just overall no nah, there's better stuff to watch
0: so for this year, yeah. On the Waterfront 1. Yeah. But this wasn't a great year for movies. I'm actually leaning toward The Kane Mutiny. I <sighs> weirdly,
1: you know, I think all three of our real contenders and I would say this is the third one. I would say Country Girl, Kane Mutiny and On the Waterfront. Yeah. are all deeply flawed movies that have great things about them. Yeah. But all three of them Honestly, it's almost like they have first act, second act, and third act problems, like, locked down. Like, On the Waterfront kind of fucks up in the third act. Yeah. Kane Mutiny kind of fucks up in the first act.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Country Girl kind of fucks up in the second. That's
0: a really good point, yeah. I guess we just need to make a mashup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it would be such a confusing film.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the thing is that, for me, the Kane Mutiny has such a rock solid third act and a solid second act whereas I don't necessarily feel like the country girl has a solid any act
1: no it has some really great scenes but I think you're right well I mean I could make no, I couldn't make that argument about the third act of the Cane Mutiny. The third act of the Cane Mutiny fucking slaps. Yes. The second act of the Cane Mutiny has some weird scenes, but it also has some great scenes. But I would say you're right that the country girl never has a full act. Honestly, it doesn't have like three scenes in a row that I think are like, these are all great. I would say On the Waterfront has that in its second act. There's a run in On the Waterfront where I'm just like, yeah, I'm in. I'm all in for this movie. I am all in for this Marlon Brando performance. It's great. And the last act of Cain Mutiny is the same for Humphrey Bogart's performance. I kind of agree with you on Cain Mutiny. For me, the six of one half dozen of the other thing here is... I think this is the single best Humphrey Bogart performance we've seen. And I think that we are seeing Marlon Brando be extremely good in something again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, just, I think there's just a the very human element, which is why now, maybe not so much as it used to be, but it it used to be that all of the Oscar contenders were released, like, between Christmas and New Year's. Because people remember the shit that they saw last, right? Yeah. So, the Cade Mutiny, the last act is the best part of it, whereas on the waterfront, the worst act is the last part of it. <laughs> so, I'm kind of leaning toward Cade Mutiny just because it's like, well, okay, it did have some some weird issues at the front of the movie, but in the end, it's worth it. Whereas, like, on the waterfront, I feel like it was taken from me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like here's a good movie just kidding bitches and I'm like why would you do that?
1: Yeah. I <laughs> I don't I I I almost feel the exact opposite way. I a little bit feel pandered to when it's like God, what were we watching the other night that ends with, oh, we were watching, because it was about to go off of Netflix, that 21 Jump Street movie. The newer one? Yeah, the newer one. The only reason I am bringing it up is because Chris Miller and Phil Lord, uh, who directed that, uh, who also directed the Lego movie and uh, like a lot of comedy films in the last 10 years, have this tendency to do a giant pump up number that barely has anything to do with the movie as the credits. Because then you walk out of the theater going like, yeah, high energy, I loved it.
0: Yeah, that's true. I don't feel like the Cane Mutiny quite is that obvious about it.
1: I don't either. I'm not really fighting too hard against Kane Mutiny as our best picture. I think you're right.
0: I gotta say, this year was not a great year for movies. Or No, that's not true, because Sabrina and Rear Window both came out this year. <laughs> this was not a great year for best picture nominees.
1: Yeah, I would take... Well, certainly Rear Window, and maybe Sabrina over anything on this list. I am shocked to find that I'm not really mad at the On the Waterfront pick. I think that the politics of it suck. Yep. And honestly, that's my argument for Kane Mutiny over it. Like, literally, the politics of choosing On the Waterfront sucks.
0: That's true. Like, both the movie's politics and the meta-politics suck.
1: (laughs) As a result, I think Kane mutiny, but I, like, do not think from this crop of nominees, if I were, you know, putting politics aside, I could really fault somebody for voting on the waterfront, because, hey, I don't know if I could mount a real good argument that any of these movies are out and out better than on the waterfront, like, just straight up better.
0: <laughs> I think that that's fair. There's not a slam dunk among these nominees, which is strange, because usually there's the obvious movie that should have won. Yeah. Sometimes that's the one that did, but sometimes it is not. Or, if it is a year with all bad nominees, there's, like, the obvious least bad, and this is not really that kind of year.
1: Yeah, like we've said before, we have three movies reaching for greatness and fitfully getting there, but it's really hard to pick which one grasps it the most, you know?
0: Yeah, None of them actually get it, but, like, which one got closest? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and it's, like, centimeters difference, as far as I can tell. We would have to go to the freest frame, and, like, that's not a thing. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm perfectly happy to say The Kane Mutiny, just for Bogart's performance. Even though yeah.
0: I... It is incredible. Yeah.
1: Like... Jose Ferrer, also very good. It's not like literally nobody in it is any good besides Humphrey Bogart, but you're there for Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. <sighs>
0: so next week we are starting 1955 with The Winner, which I hate. I hate when we have to do that. Because <laughs> it does feel like every time that we start with The Winner, it does end up being the correct movie and then we have weeks of watching shitty films afterward, but maybe that won't be the case so yeah we are watching marty starring ernest borgnine it is a patty chayefsky script though so what else did she do uh he He, sorry patty with the d yeah network oh well network is great yeah yeah so maybe uh maybe it'll be fantastic yeah i hope so uh
1: (laughs) that would be nice because as i said last week i have never heard of a single one of these fucking movies
0: nope so yeah tune in next week to find out if marty is any good or if we're looking at a real slog of a year with 1955 (laughs) Uh, Uh, and until then
1: this was a movie i mean this yeah uh, i i don't have something for you on this one sorry it was a movie
0: uh it was two-thirds of a movie they just weren't all at the same, like, I couldn't excise the, I guess I could just take William Holden out.
1: <laughs> I was about to say, I think it's a full movie. You just really hate William Holden, which I can't quite decide if it's a credit to William Holden or not. Cause his part is a fuck. Like that's a, like, he's an asshole.
0: I like William Holden as an actor. I think he's great. I feel like he is absolutely screwed over by this role. Cause it's, Terrible.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, here's the thing. We need to come up with a new catchphrase because, like, the movie to not movie binary is not really this movie's problem.
0: That's true.
1: Anyway, bye, everybody. I'm gonna go to a whiteboard and start working some math out for a new catchphrase.
0: <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. All I want is my own name and a modest job to buy sugar for my coffee. Well, you you miss- can't believe that, can you? You can't believe that a woman is crazy out of a mind to live alone in one room by herself. Listen to me. Listen to me. Why are you holding me? I said you're holding me. <laughs>